So welcome back from the walk. I hope you were, or or the movement meditation, and I hope you were able to stay with it. So this is something, you know, now that we're on Zoom and not all together in the retreat center, you know, we just, we have to trust that you are following the guidance that we give you. And of course, if you're not, you know, nothing terrible happens, but nothing great happens either. So if you do follow the instructions, it, it's much, much more fruitful. So I hope that uh, that was a time that you were able to stay steady with the practice. And it, it builds up over time, you know, or, or often the first morning and the first day of a retreat is a little bit bumpy. And we're trying to kind of pull our mind to do things that it's not used to doing. So to just stay stay with that, you know, just know that that's just part of the, the course of things and uh, it will change. So I wanted to speak a little bit today about Asuba. This is the theme of the day. <clears throat> so the so Suba, this is Pali word, means beautiful. Suba is beautiful. And Asuba, so when there's a little A in front of a word, a regular A, it, it's like a, a negative, the negation of. So <coughs> Asuba is that which is not beautiful. So it doesn't, you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, this practice is, is called, um, you know, sometimes words like repulsive or uh, disgust, you know, these kind of words, these are, these are not neutral words. These are sort of leaning way, way in the opposite direction. So the word asuba doesn't imply that. It just implies that we see the non-beautiful in things as they are. So this isn't to be turned off or to, well, it is to be turned off, but it's not to be repulsed or, or uh, feel horrified by, but just to see things in a different light. And uh, this practice is applied mostly to the body and <coughs> particularly to one's own body. So to notice it in one's own body, and you can also notice it in the body of others. Once you get a bit more experienced with it as a, as a practice of equanimity. So it's really important. I cannot overemphasize how important it is to not lean into a, a sense of repulsion or aversion with this practice. It's, it's really to, to bring the mind into greater clarity, understanding and letting go. So that's why at the end of the meditation, I said it's the contemplation of the unbeautiful in order to lead to the beautiful. So the beautiful that it leads to is the is the the freedom from desire and hatred, the freedom from being pushed and pulled around, and the the beauty of being present with things as they are. So this practice can be used with the body and it also can be used with food. So a little bit later, we can explore our relationship to food in this way too. And uh, so, you know, we we're, there are many different kinds of types of character, and I'm sure amongst us all, we cover the whole gamut. And, uh, you know, some are more greed-oriented, you know, some are like, like to, you know, enjoy lots of delightful things and you know, eat a lot and watch lots of movies and, you know, travel and do lots of things that are, there's this sort of like 
pulling it all in and some maybe more aversive, you know, no, don't want to get rid of, keep it out. Don't like something's wrong. You know, there's some tend more in that direction and some are more of the delusional type, which may be like dreamy and, um, or, or confused or, um, sometimes actually visionary also. And we all have a bit of a mix of all three of those. And, and we also lean in one direction or another. So the Asuba practice is particularly useful for those who are, have the tendency towards greed. So I'm one of those people. <laughs> and uh, I have found this practice to be wonderfully helpful, actually, in, in, my, in my years of uh, practice, particularly in the early years of my monastic life, very, very helpful to be able to contemplate the body as it is. So, um, you know, we, we, ha we have so many, we kind of get bombarded, you know, actually as monastics, we don't, which is nice, but most people I would say get bombarded with images of how you're supposed to look, what your body is supposed to be like, what is beautiful and what is not beautiful, you know, and, and then in America, and I think this is not so prevalent in Europe, but in America, there's also this thing of you're not supposed to get old. That's kind of tricky, isn't it? You're not supposed to get old and dying is a failure. So this is kind of, you know, the body gets old. That's what it does. The body ages. Once we're born, it goes through an aging process and, and at some point it dies. And that's, that's what the body is meant to do. It's, it's natural. It's, it's perfect. So, uh, but we get, you know, all this, all this, these messages that we are supposed to look a certain way. And we're supposed to be beautiful, and we're supposed to be young, and we're supposed to be healthy, and we're supposed to be fit, and we're supposed to have a, a body shape that's just perfect for the fashion at the moment. Which, you know, in five years is going to be completely different, but that's how our body is supposed to be. So this is kind of a, you know, stressful. It's uh, and. It might be, uh, you know, it, it may be that, that those messages, even if you kind of don't really believe them, they still kind of gnaw away at you. You're like, oh, I really should be and I really shouldn't be. And, and uh, so that creates a certain stress. And it also, it also adds to a certain sense of identity. So part of what the Buddha is pointing us to is that, you know, this body that, that is, you know, the, the vehicle for this lifetime is not really who and what we are. It is, it is part of nature and it is going through this process and it's, you know, it's limited and it will die. And, and that's not who and what we are. So this practice of asuba it helps us to, to see more clearly. It helps us to understand that more deeply. And it helps us to let go of the, the tyranny in a way that of, of, the, of the marketing of how we should be. So in the, in the suttas, in the, in the cla classical teachings there are two ways that this is done one is the way that i just talked to you earlier in the meditation where we where one is aware of skin 
flesh and bones, and that this body is just made up of those three aspects. And another way is going through a whole list of uh, 31 or 32 parts of the body that goes through all of the um, the outer parts, the, the, you know, the hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin, and then it keeps going through all of the organs and the and the liquids and the bones. So it lists uh, all of these different parts of the body. And this is a practice that's done in monasteries where you, you chant that as you go through the list. And as you chant it, you're contemplating these, these different aspects of the body. And it's cooling. So uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list with you because it could be a little uh, challenging for some. But, uh, you know, it includes things like undigested food you know do you ever think about that it's like we, we eat our meal and it's you know you, you make something lovely and it looks so beautiful and then we eat it and then we're just really enjoying the crunch and the taste and the scent and and then it goes into the body and then it starts getting mixed up with all of this acids and digestive fluids and then it churns around and then it's it's not so beautiful anymore and then it, there it is in us, you know, if you've had breakfast or lunch or dinner or wherever, depending on your time zone, there'll be some undigested food in there that's not so attractive. And, uh, and then at some point that's going to come out, hopefully, <laughs> going to eliminate that. And then that's not very attractive either. And that's something to contemplate too, you know, it's like you go, you go for a nice meal Maybe you go out for a meal somewhere if we can still do that where you are or you or you have a nice meal at home and uh, there's this sense of like, oh, it's my meal, my dinner. And and then you, know, you eat it and it becomes part of you as you eat it. And, and there's this sense of, oh, it's mine and now it's me. And then when you the next day go to the bathroom and eliminate that, do you still think of that as you? <laughs> is that still me and mine? You know, is that something you'd want to associate with as, as, as personal? No, it's just a process. It's part of the body. So just to, just to be interested and curious at the, the things that we, we take, we hold on to as me and mine, the things that we, that we want to cherish as me and mine, and the things that we don't even want to look at or think about or associate with me and mine. So skin is a very interesting part of the body to contemplate. And, uh, you know, having a beautiful skin, you know, people put all sorts of things in their face to be beautiful and um, having healthy skin. The skin's an organ. It's an amazing organ that's, that's, uh, purifying the body it's like it it throws out all the sweat and the toxins cleans the inside you know it's like the the place at which we can eliminate a lot of waste and uh, and it's also you know it helps with cooling and and warming and protection so it's very very important as a, as an organ and it's also you know, where we meet the world, the skin. So, you know, skin is just skin. 
It's 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 just what it is. And yet, you know, we can be the world can relate to us differently where if the skin is uh, bright and and um, smooth or wrinkly. So when our skin goes from being smooth and soft to wrinkly and, you know, a little baggy, the world relates differently to us. Or if we have white skin or brown skin or golden skin or any, any uh, variant color of skin, the world relates to us differently funny isn't it it's kind of doesn't make any sense once you once you start to reflect on skin as skin it's like all of that is just an overlay it's it's really meaningless and and rather rather odd that we can make so much out of these things and yet you know the world does that and, and we live with the impact of that. So it can be very clarifying to just know skin as skin. To just know what it is and what it's for and what it does. And then, uh, you know, the flesh aspect or the many different things that are inside here, you know, we can also get and get get nervous like is, is everything working okay or maybe something's not not quite right and and then uh, you know when there's a strong attachment a strong identification with the the body you know it can bring lead to a lot of worry a lot of anxiety a lot of uh, angst so of course we have to take care of the body and we have to uh, appreciate it for what it does and keep letting go, keep letting go, keep letting go. Because this body is, you know, it can't be well forever. It can't always work right. It can't always avoid accidents and illnesses. And it, it will at some point, you know, get ill and maybe a bone will be broken sometimes and things will happen. And then when we know it for what it is, we're not so stressed about it. It is just the nature of the body. So the, the practice of asuba is particularly uh, useful if there's a strong attachment to the body and a strong lust, a strong desire, a strong sexual desire. So if you have very strong sexual desire, it can be a, a big, uh, it can be a big distraction from the practice. And so this practice of asuba helps to get some perspective. If you've got a lot of lust, a lot of sexual desire, it gives you a different perspective. It gives you something to kind of gives you a handle onto which you don't have to just keep following those old thoughts and those old um, energetic urges and you can find some peace. So this might sound a little funny, you know, here we are, we're nuns talking to you all. Because most people uh, may be going the other direction. It's like, no, we want to. We want to have passion. We want to have desire. We want to be. We want to be sexy, and you know, we want all of that stuff. It's like, 
that's that's fine, you know. Sure. And if you wanna get a different perspective, this is a way of a way of doing it. So in in um Thailand, I don't know about in other Asian countries or Buddhist countries, but I know in Thailand it's a very ordinary practice for monastics and also other people to go to um go to a mortuary and to actually watch you know an autopsy of a body being being cut up you know so it sounds really shocking to those of us in the west where we don't get to see those things but this is just like this is the body as it is the body's like this so when it's alive you know we try and make it look nice and make it lovely and then you know when it's dead it's it's just this kind of meat and bones on a slab and uh, so you know this is one of the practices in asia to to go and and watch and and observe and see and know the body as it is as you know skin flesh and bones and the purpose of that is to is to see clearly to know and understand to let go to let go of all of the proliferation that can happen around believing that this body is me and mine so it's important that this practice is done together with other practices not just on its own and this is why the the four protective meditations come together so the there are two that are a bit more edgy the the body contemplation and the, the and the death contemplation and there are two that are really uplifting metta loving kindness and buddha nusati contemplation of the buddha so in a way it's a little challenging to come straight into a retreat and be teaching you the one of the more difficult and uh, unpleasant practices of this four so i want to also just bring in that those those other those other practices they 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 work together they're a support and also if you are an aversive type if you tend to have a lot of aversion towards your own body or towards others be very careful in the way that you use this practice it's really not meant to be something that brings up more aversion and one alternative to the or one little sort of t- twist you could say on the practice that you could do if you're an aversive type if you tend to want to you know to be a a no person um then one practice that you could do is to bring to mind you know as you as you're sweeping your attention through the body bring to mind a sense of appreciation or smiling smiling so um i used to go to a place in england where they had on the in the bathroom they would have on the walls these um i think they were chinese um diagrams of it'd be a, of, a, of a body of a human body person that you know like a kind of picture caricature of a person standing and then it would have the, all of the different organs and then on each organ it would say smile into the liver you know smile into the kidneys smile into the 
small intestine, smile into the large intestine. So that would be a really good practice if you're more of an aversive type. You know, you're still you're still being aware of the body as it is, but you're smiling into it, smiling into it, smiling into it, and that will help bring bring balance. Because um, you know, when we lean too much one way, then if we do something that makes us lean even more that way, whoop, too much. So we need to um, find balance. And. Uh, at any time, you know, we'll be teach. We're teaching this one day at a time, one one theme at a time. But at any day, you can find that balance yourself. So if if today, when we keep staying with this practice of asuba, the non-beautiful, if you find it's just really unhelpful and you're feeling stuck or or a lot of hatred or self hatred is coming up, particularly if there's self hatred coming up. Pick up another practice, practice metta, practice kindness. Be, you know, do something with kindness. So just re you, you have to trust your own wisdom and your own understanding also. Don't only follow step by step exactly what we do. I mean, do pick up these practices, but also listen to your own wisdom. And, and you know, manage that in, in your own way. So one way that this can be useful, this practice, you know, once we get, once you get used to the actual, once the mind starts to be trained to see the body in this way, to see just the, the simple physical nature of this body in the meditation, then it can really help in times when there is stress and there is worry around a health issue or uh, or even how you look, you know, to just for a moment remind yourself, oh yeah, it's just skin, mm -hmm. not who and what I am. Or if there's something going on, if there's some illness internally, oh yeah, it's just skin, flesh and bones. Mm -hmm. Belongs to nature. You know, can we can we give this back to nature? In a way, it never leaves nature. Our body never leaves nature, but we take it as mine. We take it as me. So can we give it back to nature. There's this interesting phenomenon where we think that we are the ones in control. <laughs> we think that we're in control and we have to stay in control all the time, otherwise everything's gonna go awry. And we can't imagine how it could possibly work if we were not in control. So in this respect, the body is an amazing teacher because like right now, Am I in control of my digestive system? Or is it just doing what it's doing? Brilliantly. 
am I in control of the hormonal system in this body? I don't even know what it's doing, actually. I have no idea how it works. Am I in control of regulating the heat in this body? A little bit, a little bit. I'm wearing clothes, you know. And also I'm feeling, you know, my arms are a little bit cold and, and the skin is puckering, you know, it's getting little goosebumps. And that's, I don't know how to do that, actually. I can't say, come on, skin, goosebumps now. I don't know how to do that, but the body knows. And breathing, am I really in control of my breath? I can control it a little bit, a little bit. But the body's breathing. The body's breathing and it totally knows what to do with the breath. In, in ways that I wouldn't, it'd take me a long time to learn and understand. So it's, you know, the nature is, knows how to do what it does. <laughs> And so we can explore giving back this body to nature. And I'm not talking about going and lying down in the forest and being eaten by, you know, <laughs> coyotes or something, but just, you know, day by day, just questioning, finding ways to question the attachment, the identification, the control that we keep around this body, trying to make it a certain way, trying to make it, you know, sh shape it a certain way, trying to, you know, keep it as, at a certain level of health, which is good. It's good to stay healthy if, if you can, but not in a way that's anxious, not in a way that's stressful, in a way that's generous. So this practice of the asuba, the unbeautiful, is a way of getting perspective on the the ways that in a way the ways that we can get carried away the way that that the mind can get enamored and excited and um, enchanted with things that are not that wonderful when you look closely so one, one thing that's kind of interesting to reflect on is like, say you go to a store, uh, a clothes store, and you see a really beautiful outfit and you think, oh, that would look so great. I, I really love that outfit. And, and you buy that outfit and then you take it home and it's hanging in the wardrobe and then you put it on. So all that time, you know, it's, you buy it, it's, it's beautiful. You, you, maybe you wash it and you hang it up and you have it in your wardrobe and it's, it's lovely. And then you put it on and it looks gorgeous and you look great in it and it's wonderful and you're really happy about it. And then you keep it on. So then you keep it on and then you don't take it off. This is just like a little thing to just let your mind experiment with. And then you, you don't take it off that night and you sleep in it. And then you wake up in the morning and you still don't take it off. And then you wear it through the day and then you keep it on the next night. And then you sleep in it and then you get up the next day and you're wearing it and you do that for three days. So what happens to that outfit? Is it still going to be beautiful and, or is it start, going to start smelling bad? 
Is it going to start looking bad? Is it going to start getting dirty and smelly? And because the body is it's it's rubbing up against the body, and the body it only stays beautiful if we work really hard at it. You know, if we don't shower for a week, not so beautiful. You know, because the body's like that. So to just allow yourself to allow your mind to go there, allow yourself to take in that uh, aspect of the body, in order to come to greater balance and and uh, understanding. And uh, and do it with a with a with a a lightheartedness, even you know, just like it's kind of comical, in a way, that we can get so enamored and so attached and so concerned about something that's you know it's it's do, that's doing its thing. So we can only smell sweet if we shower frequently. We can only look lovely if we work hard at it. Most people, some people manage. And uh, so, just to just to know that, and to and I'd like to invite you for this retreat to. I don't know if you're, if particularly if you're alone, but if you're with others, maybe you have to be a little bit careful. But to explore a little bit the the edges of that, to explore. You know, what is it? Try to you know, what is it like to not shower the the time you want to shower, and see what that's like. So it's a it's an exploration and uh, a practice that is for you to pick up and to use with your own wisdom. Okay, so this will be the theme of the day: the Earth Super the Not Beautiful, and uh, we're going to leave you to it now and you will have this time for practice and we'll meet we'll meet back here together in the hall at 1 30. so please uh, use this time to explore and investigate the you know the the unbeautiful aspect of eating of body and see where it takes you Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.